Here we are talking about songs for a few more weeks. And uh, last week we were talking about the power, the impact of songs. And I want to tell you this morning, just right up front, that songs work. And here I'll show you, all right? See how you do. I'll start. You jump in. Ready? I need your help on this. I'll start. You jump in. Everyone at home, do the same thing. All right, here we go. Mm-mm, good. Mm-mm, good. Good. Okay, see? You are good at this, aren't you? Give me a break. Give me a break. Break me off a cat bar. There you go. Good. All right. Here's a tougher one. Ready? Every kiss begins with... Oh, you did great. Kay thought that was a good one. Let's get local. 1-800-588-2300. I'm sorry you know that. Try this one if you listen to the radio. Carpet mill outlet when you want more. The word is yeah. No one listens to the radio. Okay, here, let's go back a couple years. The best part of waking up. Okay. Did you know insurance companies are in your head? We are farmers. Yep. And if you don't know the words to this one, you will before you leave today. Liberty, liberty. Did you get the words? Good. Okay. I'm, they're called earworms. Those are called earworms. And that's kind of a gross way to coin it, but it does communicate what happens when you hear a song and it gets stuck inside of your head to the point where it's annoying and you can't get rid of it. Now, why is that? Here's why that works. It's because music is an all-terrain vehicle that takes us all over the place. It tweaks our emotions in the background of a movie. It motivates us to work out. It transports us back to our childhood. It helps us calm down and fall asleep. I wonder, just this past week, how many songs you heard, even if you weren't trying to how many songs you heard. Songs work. And they also work to shape our faith. The God who gave us language is the same God who set into play the principles of music and the laws of mathematics and physics. And he gave us the ability to make music and to sing. Music is first mentioned very early in the Bible. If you were to turn back in your Bible this morning to Genesis chapter 4, verse 21, it mentions there Jubal, the father of all those who play the lyre and pipe. And at some point, music became more and more developed. People worked harder at it, and its power hasn't let up ever since. Last week, we were looking at the command, there are actually two of them in the New Testament, to the church to sing. This week, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, Paul says to the church, we are to be addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Did you notice that last week? And do you notice it again here in Ephesians? Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, there's not just one kind of song for Christian people to sing. There's been one, more than one kind of song in the very first decades of the church's existence. 
This morning, if we could go through the whole Bible and just read each one, you'd find there are 185 songs recorded for us in Scripture. And we know that Solomon, by the way, wrote over a thousand songs all on his own. 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 32, Solomon wrote over a thousand songs. You wouldn't have to work to convince the average Israelite to appreciate their songs of worship. Those 150 songs, those 150 worship songs were put together in a collection in Hebrew called the Tehillim, which means praises. We call it the book of Psalms. Would you take your Bible, if you've got your Bible physically here, or your device, and just kind of let it open up to the middle, because right there near the middle of your Bible in the Old Testament is that book, that collection of 150 songs called Psalms. Now, if you open up your device, it probably won't fall open to the middle. Just work with it. We know the writers of about a hundred of the Psalms, David, Asaph, the sons of Korah, Solomon, Moses, Ethan the Israelite, and my favorite, Heman. These are the names of the people that we know wrote those Psalms, at least a hundred of them. There are 49 or 50, we're not sure. They're called the Orphan Psalms. But the Psalms, collected together, actually grouped in five books, the Psalms are the hymn book or the song book of the Jews. Eighty percent of the songs recorded in Scripture are the Psalms. And by the way, they were using these songs which were written over a period of 700 to 1,000 years. They were using them. Kind of makes a worship song from clear back 10 years ago not sound so old, doesn't it? The Psalms mean a lot to us as well. In fact, one of the goals I have for this message this morning, and I'll just tip my cards to you here right away, is that we would read the book of Psalms this week. So would you make that note right away? Hey, Sherm wants me to read through the book of Psalms. Yeah, I do. I want all of us to read through the book of Psalms this week and in the weeks that are to come. So please make a note to do that. They've got an important part in the life of the church. I want to show you a few of what they call infographics, all right, that just kind of breeze through the, books of Psalm, the book of Psalms. Look at the reasons to praise God that are most often given in the book of Psalms. Those are some of the verses cited there, the top ten reasons to praise God. Where will I find that? In the book of Psalms. Uh, look at the different ways to praise God that are mentioned in the book of Psalms and the number of times that they're mentioned. Eighty-one times it says throughout the Psalms to sing songs, to sing hymns to Him. And by the way, here's a graphic. It just shows some insight that the Psalms give of all things to us regarding unborn children. Just something to think about. Where does that come from? That comes from the book of Psalms. The songs that we listen to, the songs that especially we sing, affect the direction of our lives. Have you noticed that? Can I get a uh-huh on that? Or at least a thoughtful hmm? Because it's true. The things that we think or that we sing and the things that we listen to being sung shape our lives. So here's an important question this morning. Where do our songs come from? Where are they pointing us? 
And I'm happy to tell you this morning that if we are careful and if our singing is guided by God's Word, the songs that we sing will help us in life. Wouldn't you like to leave here this morning with a help for life? Well, here you go. The songs that we sing. For one thing, they'll carry us. Just like songs have given patriotism and courage into the heart of war, the right songs can help us carry the truth that we think about and talk about and learn about on Sundays into the rest of the week. Our songs can help us be the church seven days a week instead of just on Sunday. Isn't it great to know there's a help for that? We need help with that. The world looks at problems differently. The world looks at broken people and says, well, here's what you need to do to fix broken people. You need to educate them. You need to reform them. You need to rehabilitate them. That's the world's solution to those problems. Well, I'm more inclined to listen to what God has said we need, aren't you? God says we don't just need a reform, we need a restart. We need to put the old person to death and bury him. We need a new heart, not just one that gets better and better. We need a new heart. And we need to stop trying to do that all on our own. I'm more inclined to believe that. I'm more inclined to remember the words from the verse of the song, Rock of Ages, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. And the song carries that truth with me into the next week world tells us how we're supposed to approach our place on this planet. You know, that we are basically here by accident and we're like parasites on the world who have no rights. And I'm inclined instead to remember God's word where it tells us in the book of Psalms that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I'm inclined to remember the words of a song. This is my father's world. Why should my heart be sad? The Lord is king. Let the heavens ring. God reigns. Let the earth be glad. And a song carries that truth with me into the next week. Singing what you sang today carries truth into the week where we need it. Isn't that great? The Psalms are a good look at how singing can not only carry us through the next week, but how it can carry us through all kinds of seasons of life. 26 of the Psalms, 26 out of 150, are songs of praise and worship to God. Have you ever just wanted to praise God and weren't sure, I don't know exactly what to say? Well, God wrote those 26 Psalms, so I'm pretty confident that he approves of those words. So we can use those words. They give us the words to praise him. 26 of the Psalms are specifically that way. I'm sure God approves. But you know what? Nearly twice as many of the Psalms are laments. They're songs about the hard times of life. They're singing the blues. And singing real songs like those makes it clear that we worship not because everything in life is wonderful, but because the Lord is wonderful and he goes through those times with us. We don't need a musical escape from life. We need to gaze upon the Savior of our lives. And those songs can carry us through those seasons. Songs can also remind us, you probably could think of some 
song in your life, a song of faith that was sung during a crucial time in your life. I remember uh, Carrie and I had the song, Savior Like a Shepherd Lead Us, sung at our wedding. We all sang that together at our wedding. And that was an important moment in my life and her life, and it, it helped to drive home the importance of that moment. Other songs were sung that day too. They meant a lot to me at the time, but they also remind me as I hear them again of the importance of that day and how it has shaped my life. Those songs remind me. The Psalms can help us be reminded. They can remind us, for instance, of God's character. They give us a bigger picture of God. They help us to consider the breadth and the depth of his character, how we, as a part of the things that he has created, the pinnacle of his creation, how we fit into all of that picture. I want to put up another uh, graphic that just talks about the different descriptions of God as they're mentioned in the Psalms, words that are used to describe God throughout the book of Psalms and the way, uh, the number of times they show up. While you're looking at those, you could turn to Psalm 75 where it tells you how God is a judge who deals out perfect justice. You could go to the 23rd Psalm where it tells us that God is a shepherd who takes care of his sheep. Psalm 15 talks about how God is holy and pure and how he won't allow that purity to be compromised. Psalm 19 talks about God as the creator whose voice is heard throughout his creation as it speaks of him. Psalm 56 speaks of the way he notes our tears. Psalm 25, the way that God notices our burdens. Psalm 78 speaks of the great things that he has done for his people in the past. And Psalm 31 talks about the great things that he will yet do for us. And it all reminds us of the greatness of God, the qualities of God. Harvey and Marlene Layman have been members of Central Christian Church for years, and it was about 11 years ago, I don't remember the exact date, that Marlene suffered a stroke at home that damaged her quite a bit. And very early on, Marlene entered into rehabilitation to try to regain some of the things that she lost because of her stroke. Marlene, for instance, lost her ability to speak. She couldn't speak. And I remember going with some others of our church family a couple of times to visit her in rehabilitation, specifically to sing to Marlene. And we sang songs to her, songs that she had led children to sing for years. And as she heard those, her face would light up. And guess what? She sang along. Did you hear the part about she couldn't speak? But she sang along the songs that she had learned those years before. Songs remind us of things in ways that other words can't. They remind us of the most important things we need to remember in life. And if we are deliberate about it, they will help us that way. Also, if we're deliberate about it, singing the right songs, we'll find songs that fill us. What you eat, what you put into your physical body is going to show up in your health. It's one of life's sad truths. Some foods taste really good, but then later on you've got a sugar crash or an upset stomach and they weren't really good for you, it turns out. Or in the case of Chinese food, 10 minutes later you're hungry again no matter what. 
The best foods, they tell us, the best foods, it seems, are the ones that are good for you and that also satisfy you. And along the way, it's really nice if they taste good too. Whatever you put into your mouth gets broken down into your body into smaller parts and it actually becomes you. It becomes new cells. It becomes the chemicals that oversee the functions in your body. It becomes the energy that allows you to move. So when someone said, I don't know when, you are what you eat, that was pretty bright. That's true, isn't it? There's a lot of truth in that. Well, that's true of us when it comes to our souls, too. God's Word commands us to fill our minds, ourselves, with good things. Paul said, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind set on the flesh is hostile to God, because it does not submit to God's law. It cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Paul wrote in Colossians 3, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. The songs that we listen to, the songs that we sing have a role in this. They play a part in setting the way that we think, where we place our hope, what we really believe, what we value in this life. And folks, I think that we need to grow in our appetite for the things that are best for our souls. And that includes the things that come into our minds through the power of music. I was 25 years old, and I didn't drink coffee. I had made it through all of my college years not being a coffee drinker. It just didn't appeal to me. And I did understand, even though I wasn't, didn't care about it, I did understand that some people like to drink coffee. And so at St. Joe Church of Christ... I started fixing a pot of coffee for our elders' meetings just to be a good guy. And they would have coffee at the, at the elders' meetings. I remember the night that one of our elders, Bud Shockley, laughed at me for making coffee for everyone and then not drinking any. And just to show him up, I drank a coffee that night. I didn't really enjoy it, but you know what? I couldn't have Bud laughing at me. And from then on, Giving in to that peer pressure, I began to drink coffee with the elders at elders' meetings. I was just a social coffee drinker. <laughs> Soon I discovered that if I put enough stuff in it, you could cover up the taste of it. And I kept drinking it. And within a year, I was drinking it, not just because of peer pressure, but guess what? Because I wanted to, because I developed a taste for it. And sure enough, here I am 31 years later helping to keep the world's coffee growers in business because I had learned to develop a taste for something. You hear where this is going. How many of you have something in your life like that? Food or something that you really didn't care for, but you learned to like it. And you could. If you're convinced that something is good for you, you can often work at developing an appetite for it, right? Except for beets. But everything else, 
You could do that. Let me point out this morning that music is that way, particularly the music that we sing together, church. We can learn to develop a taste for good music, good music that we may not yet know or fully appreciate, both here when we're all together and when we're on our own. We can do that. And so I want to wrap up this morning. Yeah, I'm at the landing the airplane part already. I want to wrap up this morning by suggesting some practical things. First of all, things that we can avoid and some things to do during the time that we sing here together. All right? So first of all, here are some ways to ruin the time that we sing together here on Sunday mornings. Okay? Here's the way to ruin it. I got some ideas of how we can pull that off. Number one, focus on critiquing. Focus on critiquing. I have this ability. I do. And it's not a gift, by the way. That ability to critique, it's not a gift. Maybe it's a strength that can be put to good use in some different settings, but there are some settings where that ability to critique needs to get set aside. We're supposed to do all things in the church without grumbling or complaining. Singing is one of those things. So if you want to ruin it, Focus on some superficial aspect of music, its style, its volume, its familiarity, the auditorium, the lighting, anything you can come up with. If you want to ruin it, focus on that. That'll work. Here's a second way to ruin Sunday morning singing. Zone out. Zone out. You're going to be seeing some zombies over the next couple days. Become one of them. Guys, we're better at this than ladies. Guys are equipped to, we have a, 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 a special part in our brain that allows us to think of absolutely nothing. We can do that. It's, it's something guys can do. My wife, I read this somewhere, my wife says, I don't listen to her, or something like that. Have you ever sung a song here on Sunday morning and managed not to think at all about what you were singing? You ever do that? That's one way you can ruin the time that you sing. Just zone out, all right? Here's the third idea. Give up. That, that is, get frustrated by the sound of your own voice enough that you just quit trying. Or if you don't know the song we're singing, give up trying to learn it. Just give up. Why'd they pick that song anyway? And if we all apply ourselves to singing, you'll always be able to find somebody who struggles with it more than you do. Let me step aside and say, instead of ruin it, just make a joyful noise to the Lord. Maybe if you do that, you'll encourage the people around you to sing louder to cover you up. That's fine. <laughs> or you can just give up. Here's a fourth idea. Work on a shopping list in your head. Or work on anything else in your head. Anything besides what you're saying as you sing. We train ourselves to do this all over the place as we try to shut out distractions so that we can concentrate on what is important. Is this important? You bet it is. 
So if you want to ruin the time that we sing together, have something else going on inside your head. Rather than what's coming out of your mouth, focus on something else instead. All right, there's four ideas to ruin singing on Sunday morning. If you've got others, please share those with me so that I can get rid of those too. But here are some ways I think that we can make our singing good, pleasing to God and helpful to us. Number one, think about your audience. Those people up here on the stage, they're not here for you to be an audience. You see, the spot of audience, that's already been taken. We already have an audience when we come in here on Sunday morning. And the Psalms make it clear that it is God. It is God who is listening. When David wrote Psalm 19:14, he said, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. He was speaking to God his audience. And as you sit or stand here this morning, remember that. Picture yourself as we sing together. Picture yourself with a great crowd of worshipers around the throne of God. There are a few people here in our church family. As I go around and try to greet people uh, each morning, there are a few people here in our church family where it's pretty obvious to me that that's exactly what they're doing, is picturing themselves in front of God. So remember your audience, okay? Here's the second idea. Focus on what's going on. Uh, that can be challenging. Our culture is geared to distract. Our attention spans suffer from lack of use. And we need the Lord's help to keep our attention focused on what's going on, don't we? Remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? He was at a great moment of crisis in his life, and he asked his disciples to come and watch with him. And three times he came back to them and found them asleep. Remember what Jesus said to them? Could you not watch with me one hour? And I wonder if Jesus might say to some of us this morning, could you not focus on this moment of worship for just a few minutes? Ask God to help you focus when we engage in singing to him. All right, let's focus on what's going on. Here's a third idea, and that is to think about the words you're singing. Think about these words. Ask yourself, what do these mean? As the line of some song reaches into you, you've got my permission, pause and pray inwardly to God about how that strikes you. Talk to Him about it. If some word or concept comes up that you don't understand, not that that ever happens in a song. But if something comes up that you don't understand, make a note. Check into it. Find out about it later. Here, I've got to tell you this morning, Sad, Sad, the Bitter Whale was not a depressed ocean mammal. All right? Gladly, the cross-eyed bear was not a happy Bruin with vision problems. Just seeing if those connected, and they didn't. I may leave them out the next time I go through this. All right. But up, up on the screen here are some actual words that appear, have appeared in, in hymns and songs. And by the way, I pared this list down to like half of what I found. But these have appeared in songs over the years, and we've sung them, a lot of them, and we've used words like hitherto and forbear, froward, panoply, and sabaoth about tempestuous times, and not known what on earth were we singing. 
And when we run into something like that, instead of just throw the whole thing out, maybe what we should do is find out what those words mean. Come to think of it, there is a whole list of words like that that might take a trip or two to Google for us to understand something we just sang. Have you noticed our vocabulary has changed over the years? Sometimes... Sometimes the good people here on the stage will explain those words ahead of time or afterwards for us, and that helps, but that won't always explain something you might need to follow up. So here is my suggestion. Follow up. Care enough about it. And when you learn something new, like what on earth does Wayne Wax and Wheel mean, when you learn something new like that, then share it with somebody. All right? Number four, consider those around you. As you sing, and as you hear others sing, from this day forward, think about how great it is to be a part of something bigger than just yourself. You can't sing all the parts, but there might be some people around you who can sing some parts. You know, they call it harmony. And you can add to something that sounds beautiful, beautiful to us and beautiful to God. You can add to that. Consider how much some of the words we sing are great for someone who is near you today to think about and to hear. Think about how great it is that they get to hear those words today that they need to hear. Pray that those will sink into all of us. Sing in a way that makes it sound like the singing matters. All right? And then I want to give you a homework assignment. Here's number five. Pick one song to continue, to continue singing for the week. Maybe not, here are the people in your neighborhood. Who are the people in your neighborhood? That was just to get us going this morning. But Pick one of the songs that we sing on Sunday. And this may take some work. Most things of value take some work. So I want to challenge you. Take a song that we sing and make it the song that you sing this week. And yes, you will probably have to look it up sometimes. That's not hard to do, by the way. Take most any church song, type the title of it into YouTube or on Amazon Music or something like that, and you've got it, just like that. Lyrics and everything. Listen to it, sing along with it, and guess what? Before long, that song belongs to you. It's yours. Your concert in the shower can just become a great rehearsal for Sundays then when we get back together and sing as a group. The songs that we sing together have the potential to paint a picture of God and what he is like and how we fit into all of that picture. Some of the songs are a review of who God is and some of the things that he does. We might sing about his power. We might sing about the way that he loves us and invites us to know him. Sometimes as we sing, the, the words are from us to him. Have you ever noticed the different places where the songs are pointing us? Words that say what we think about him. Sometimes as we sing, we're singing about ourselves and what we look like in light of God. Or we sing about how wonderful it is to belong to the Lord. How thankful we are that he treats us the way that he does. Or maybe we sing words that are directed to each other. Encouraging each other to be faithful to be holy. A particular song was being sung many years ago at the end of a church service. And I didn't even understand all the words. 
They just aren't the way that we speak today. It's one of those songs. It's, we don't talk that way. But I heard the main point of that song. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, that thou bidst me come to thee. O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, though tossed about with many a conflict, many a doubt, fightings and fears within, without, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, thou wilt receive, will welcome, pardon, cleanse, relieve, because thy promise I believe. O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot, to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot, O Lamb of God, I come. There must be 20 verses to that song. But you know what? Each one of them begins with that same phrase, just as I am, and ends with those same words, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. That's what I did. I literally stepped out of the pew where I was sitting and I stepped forward and I gave my life to Jesus. I don't remember a lot of the details of that day. I don't remember uh, what my dad preached about. I don't remember who was sitting near me. I don't remember what I was wearing. But I remember a song with old-sounding words and with the truth in it that even a little boy could understand. We sing a lot of great words here from week to week, don't we? Are you listening to them? Jesus Christ died for you. Jesus Christ took on himself the punishment for sin, your rebelliousness, my rebelliousness, that we deserved. He took it on himself as though he deserved it when he didn't. And he gave to us this invitation to come, as you are, give your life to him. Are you listening? This morning, if you haven't made that decision, uh, we're going to, yeah, we're going to have a song here at the end of our worship time. And you know what? During a song is a good time to make important decisions when that song is a good song that points you to God's truth. Maybe this morning you're waiting to make that choice and this is the moment that you're going to step forward uh, and say, yep, this is the day I come to him and answer his invitation. If that's you, we're ready to help you begin your life with Jesus Christ. He says that if you believe in him, you need to acknowledge him as Lord. You need to repent of your old life, turn to him, to his new life. You need to be baptized into him. And live for him from that day forward. That's his invitation to you. If you're ready to do that today, that's the gospel message. We're going to stand up here. We're going to sing a song. Uh, anytime from now till the time we get ready to leave here, please step forward and let's begin. Let's, let's talk about your relationship with the Lord today. If there's more you need to learn about him, let us sit down with you. Arrange with you to sit down and look at his word together. And start life with him today. But please, don't leave here as though that didn't matter. Don't leave here putting that off. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please.
Most of us here today responded to that invitation from Jesus sometime in our lives previously. And our being here today, our singing together today is just an expression of the fact that we're living for him. It's one thing that we do. It's one of the things we get to do as the body of Jesus Christ gathered together here today. So I'm going to ask you if that's already a choice that you've made, that you just roll over in your mind this morning the songs that we sing, the words that we speak, and what those mean in the life of a believer as we're singing them together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you have given us in your word and the way that you have given it to us, uh, not just empty and sterile and cold, but even, Lord, in words of, of uh, music and verse that reach deep inside of us, that draw us to look at you more fully, to remember uh, the things that you have done and uh, to carry that truth with us throughout this week. Uh, Lord, thank you for the gift of songs that we're able to sing together, songs that perhaps one day around your throne we will engage in together with a great multitude of the redeemed. Thank you for the opportunity that we have today for that. And God, for this moment that is available as you tarry in your return for people to come to you, I pray that there will be choices now made that will honor you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.